Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. With me in your Bibles, the title of my message today is Awaken. Awaken. And if you were to say to me, hey man, you know, what, what, what's, what's the Bible and God and everything all about? I would say to you, it's really very simple. God wants to awaken you to a brand new reality. A brand new reality. In fact, what I'm going to try and do with everything blowing around here, I'm just going to try and quote the scriptures. And if I get them wrong, just forgive me. But uh, in Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So it was God that said, let's start a family. God didn't make, make you because he wanted a, uh, a worker. Now, I know that Willy Wonka has a chocolate factory, and the chocolate factory is run by Oompa Loompas. Oompa Loompa, doompa dee doo, I have another puzzle for. I know that, that he has Oompa Loompas because someone needs to run the factory. A lot of people think that God wanted you know, created man because he created a factory, created this planet, and then he needed somebody, like he had a Homer Simpson moment, and then realized, shoot, I've got to get somebody to run this thing. Why don't we make little Oompa Loompa men? And they, that's, not, that's not it. God created you because he wanted family. Leanne and I, we have four kids, and we fell in love, got married, and a couple of years into the love that we had, we thought, hey, why don't we include into this love that we have a child and so now we have four of them and that's family God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit in perfect love perfect unity decided man this is too good for us to keep to ourselves let us make man in our image and in our likeness so we can have family so just so I want you to know that you are, your original intention from God is to be part of his family be part of his family uh, the Bible teaches us that we kind of got separated. We got a little lost along the way because of a thing called sin, but that's a different message for another time. So that's Genesis 1. Genesis 2 says that God uh, formed man from the dust of the earth. So, so in Genesis 1, it says that God created man, but Genesis 2 says that now God formed the man from the dust of the earth. You'll find that your body is, you know, uh, 85% water and the rest is kind of minerals and nutrients that when you pass away, your, your skeleton, your bones, everything just kind of goes back into the ground from where it came is what the Bible te- says. So, you know, you are 100% biodegradable, which is not a bad thing. But you have a spirit on the inside of you because the Bible says after God fashioned man from the dust that God <sighs> breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and Adam becomes a living being. This is really important that, that, that God makes this distinction between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Because in Genesis 1, God created man, but in Genesis 2, it says that he formed the man. There are a lot of people that are walking around, they are created, they exist, but they've never been formed. The, the, the objective of the church is the forming of the sons and the daughters of God. When you come into the house of God, when you walk into the church, the, the, the atmosphere, the environment, the, the spirit that is present is meant to breathe on you and begin to awaken you to a reality that you were previously not aware of. There's a story uh, in Genesis chapter 28 of a guy called Jacob. Jacob has an encounter with God and he becomes Israel. The whole nation of Israel 
is this man. This man becomes the father of the nation of Israel. The Bible says in Genesis 28, when he was still just a single man, that he came to a certain place and he lay down there and he put a rock there just so that his head wasn't flat, just so that his head had some elevation as a pillow. And the Bible says that he fell asleep and as he slept, he dreamed. And as he dreamed, he saw a ladder set up on the earth going up into heaven. And in the dream, he saw angels descending and angels ascending on this ladder. So he saw this activity. And then a voice came from above the ladder, and it was the voice of the Lord. And God said to him, the land on which you lie, I'm giving to you and to your descendants as an inheritance forever. And the Bible says that Jacob awoke from his dream. He awoke from his dream, and he says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The church is meant to be the gate of heaven. The church is not meant to be the, the uh, gathering of the community of people that need a crutch to get through life. Jacob saw a ladder set up. In other words, he, what he saw was that the earthly realm can be connected to a heavenly realm. Uh, I, I grew up in a home where my dad was an atheist, so I didn't grow up with any, any religion or any Christianity. I had, had no idea. But I had an encounter with Jesus Christ on a beach through Christian surfers. God then took me on a journey where he literally awoke me to the reality that there is a fourth dimension, that there is a spiritual realm. The Bible says that everything that is visible, that is seen, was created by that which is invisible and unseen. That which is seen is temporal. That which is unseen is eternal. People say, well, I, you know, I've got to see it to believe it. Well, you know, I can't see gravity, but step off a four-story building, you'll see that it's pretty real. And, you know, I can't see air, but, you know, I believe that it's there. <sighs> yep, there it is. And there's a lot of things you can't see, and yet it's there. You can't see the law of... Uh, aerodynamics you can't see the law of lift but it is there every time a, t a plane takes off there's a lot of things don't, don't, don't be don't believe the lies that have been uh, put through an education system that says that seeing is believing the kingdom is the exact opposite Jesus said did I not say to you that if you would believe you would begin to see and Christianity is a journey into believing and the, I found that the more I began to believe what God has said in his word, the more it began to awaken me to a complete other dimension that is so real that literally Jacob says this is the gate of heaven. A gate is an access point. I want you to know that you can access a heavenly reality. We're not here in San Diego to just create a, you know, a Sunday morning gathering for people that didn't want to go to the beach or you know, couldn't find a cafe to go. We, we, we want to bring people into an experience, into a place where you need to understand that there is a gateway to another dimension. Like Leanne was saying before, that, that when we began to trust God, we began to, to discover that even though in the natural we couldn't afford to buy a home, in the natural we were disqualified from, from qualifying for any mortgage, but we found that because we were honoring God, we had a, a gateway access to a supernatural realm that supernaturally, exceedingly abundantly has, has been able to bless and open doors that no man could shut. And that's why you'll see that there's regular miracles and healings and breakthrough. Life is too short to just live on what you can accomplish and what you can do. God wants to bring you into an awakening of a brand new reality. Can 
Somebody say amen. So what I love about, what I love about this story is that God breathes into Adam the breath of life. God breathes into Adam the breath of life. I love this church because this is a Holy Spirit church. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is equally God. He is God. But, but when Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, it was like, tag, you're it. And the Holy Spirit came down into the earth. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We don't believe that the church is meant to be a, a bunch of weak, disempowered people just kind of, you know, eking and limping their way through life. The Bible says that you were created to be the head and not the tail, above only, not beneath. You're blessed in the country. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed going in. You're blessed going out. There's something supernatural that comes upon you the day that you give your life to Christ. The day that Jesus came into my life, I asked for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled me and I knew power came upon me where you begin to echo the scripture that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So there are three things I want to very quickly in just a couple of minutes we have together share that God wants to awaken. The first thing that God wants to awaken in you is identity. He wants to awaken your identity. This is very important. So the Bible says that God forms Adam from the dust of the ground. So here, here is Adam formed he is formed, he has two eyes, he has two ears, two nostrils, he has a mouth, teeth, tongue, lips, hair, eyebrows. He has a cardiovascular system, he has a digestive system, he has a pulmonary system, he has a respiratory system, he has a central nervous system, he has an immune, he has all these systems. But these systems are lying dormant until... And when God's breath, when God's spirit enters Adam... All of these systems instantaneously, boop, boom, boom, and then he's, and everything, and then he awakens. For God to breathe into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, where was God's face? So here is Adam on the ground, and the Bible says, and the Lord God, <sighs> so Adam has God come over him, and God, <sighs> and when Adam opens his eyes, the first face that he sees is the face of the Almighty. He sees the face of his heavenly Father. This is really important because the Bible says, God speaking, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. This is so important because the world, the devil, has tried to tell you that you're not made in the image and the likeness of God you're actually an ape that has evolved. And this happened over billions of years, even though there's not one single ape today that's evolving. Isn't that crazy? Billions of years and there's not one evolving. And, and so you, you, you're a monkey that got lucky rather than you were created. So just look at your past. The great lie of evolution is you came from nothing. You're going nowhere and there's no real reason for you to be here. What the Bible teaches is that you were created in the image and the likeness of God. That your, your potential is to be God. Now, let me, is to be like God. Now, let me just say this. Uh, when you look into the mirror, you actually don't see you. What's he talking about? Of course I see me. Look, it's me. I'm brushing my teeth. It's me. No, no, that's not you. That's your, that's your reflection. You don't begin to discover who you are. There are so many people, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of age, they look in the mirror and they don't know who they are. 
They don't know who it is that is looking back. Because you don't discover who you are from looking. People join gangs. People join clubs. People join all kinds of associations hoping that maybe this community will tell me who I am. But you will never really discover your full identity. It'll never be awoken to you until you look into the face of God. You were created in His image and in His likeness. This truth is so powerful that Disney, without realizing, got hijacked by Hollywood, by God, got hijacked Hollywood and put out a Disney classic that's now uh, another feature film that's been re-released, The Lion King. So, you know, remember The Lion King where there's, you know, Mufasa and Simba and they're looking out and, and Simba's surveying the landscape and he says, Simba, everything the light touches is our kingdom. And little Simba's like, Ooh, what about that shadowy place? You must never go there, Simba. That's beyond our borders. And so, you know, what does Simba do? He goes there, takes Narla with him, you know, pinch you again. And, and, but, you know, there's hyenas there and it's an elephant graveyard. And, you know, then there's Uncle Scar, you know, and Uncle Scar is like, oh, Simba, only the bravest lions go there. And, uh, and you know, there's a day where there's a procession where they hold up. And so anyway, so, so little, 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 little Simba, he's all excited. He's like, Uncle Scar, Uncle Scar, Dad said I'm going to rule over all the pride land. Oh, whoop-de-doo. And, uh, and then, you know, Scar comes in. Scar, drop him. Impeccable timing, Your Majesty. I didn't see you at the presentation of Simba today. Oh, that was today must have slipped my mind. Well, as slippery as your mind was, you should have been first in line. I was first in line to let little hairball arrive. That hairball is my son and your future king. Oh, I shall practice my curtsy. Don't you turn your back on me, Scar. Temper, temper, perhaps you shouldn't turn your back on me. Oh, anyway, and so, so the story goes on. It's an interesting story. I get a little carried away. Powerful movie, but the, the essence of the movie is that, that, and I don't know where they come up with these plots. Crazy, crazy how they come up with these plots. So creative. They don't steal anything from the Bible. Um, but the plot goes like this, that for Scar to rule the kingdom, he's got to get rid of the father and his only son. I can't think where I've read that. I've read that somewhere. Anyway, and so, so he organizes this stampede, makes a pact with the hyenas, and... Mufasa to rescue Simba, who's waiting down for this surprise, rescues his son, gets Simba to safety, only to find that uh, Scar comes and throws Mufasa to his death, and he's trampled by all the, the stampeding herd. Little Simba comes up and sees his, his dad's lifeless little corpse there, and he's like, Dad? Dad? And he tries to peel open an eye, and it just shuts and lifts up a paw, and then Scar does to Simba what the devil does to you and I, he comes up to Simba and says, Oh, Simba, what have you done? Uncle Scar, I don't mean for this to happen. I don't mean for any of this to happen. Oh, Simba, nobody means for these things to happen, but the king is dead and it is all your fault. What do I do, Uncle Scar? What do I do? Run, Simba, run far away and never come back. And so as soon as little Simba runs off, he gets the hyenas to chase him. Their goal was to assassinate and kill him so he could now rule the pride land in place of his brother and his brother's only son. Instead of killing little Simba, he slips through and he meets Timon and Pumbaa. And they become his best friends. And so he now lives in a land called Akuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free. 
philosophy. You know it. And so the interesting thing is Akuna Matana is a land of no worries. It could have been Australia. He could have landed. And obviously, you know, I'm saying it incorrectly because you meant to say Australia. You're not meant to say Australia. It's Australia. But he goes to the land of no worries. And the problem is he's a lion's cub, but in, in Akuna Matana land, his food is berries and grubs. Because you'll always know when you live in the land of no worries, in the land of Akuna Matata, because what you feed on neither nourishes or satisfies. What you're feeding on will never, because you weren't created to live a life where you just have no worries. A lot of people move to Noosa because they're thinking, man, maybe in Noosa I can live a life of no worries. But you were created by God for a significant purpose. You were created by a heavenly father with a divine destiny, with a divine purpose for you to unlock. You may be here today because God is trying to awaken you to not just your identity, but to a destiny. So you need to understand that I Identity and destiny are two sides of the same coin. Identity and destiny are two sides of the same coin. So the enemy knows the greatest way to rob you of your destiny is to shield you from ever discovering your identity. God comes to Moses, Moses, Moses. And he says to Moses, you're going to go down to Pharaoh, and you're going to go down to Egypt, and you're going to command him to let my people go. And you're going to do signs, wonders, and miracles, and you're going to break the grip of 400 years of oppression and slavery. You're my man. God is speaking to Moses about destiny. But Moses responds to God, who am I that I should go? Moses responds, identity. God comes to a guy called Gideon. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press because the Midianites keep coming in and oppressing them. And God appears to Gideon and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, rise up, son. You are going to defeat the Midianites like they were one man. And Gideon looks and says, who am I? God is speaking to Gideon about destiny, but he's responding with identity. Who am I that I should, I, I can't do this. Man, I'm the least in my father's house, and, and our father's house is the least in all the tribes. And, and of all the tribes, man, we're the least in the clans. And man, I'm just a nothing. I'm a, he, 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 he responded with identity. God was speaking to him destiny. When God speaks, he always speaks in the language of destiny, but we hear and interpret and respond in the language of identity. Right now, this generation, like no other generation in the last century, is struggling with identity. Identity is the number one challenge. It's the number one thing the enemy's gone after because he knows the way for me to rob your destiny is simply to hide from you, shield from you, and mark toward you what your identity is. But Simba grows up in Akunamatana land, and one day on a hunting expedition, pingy again, Norla, Simba? We thought you were dead. Well, obviously I'm not. You've got to come back. Oh, it's so bad, Scar, that there's no food. The hyenas, you made a pack with the hyenas, and now there's nothing. There's no food. It's just desolate. You've got to come back, man. Well, why are you here? You don't understand. You don't understand what's happened. You don't I can't go back. But any, how many of you remember the movie? There's Rafiki, who's the little, the little baboon. Remember Rafiki? Do you know Rafiki is Swahili for friend? Did you know that? Rafiki, the baboon, has a stick. And he comes up and goes, ow, what you do that for? It does not matter. He's in the past. We all need a friend with a stick at times. Come on. How many times do I need a friend that's got a stick that'll snap me out of it? And so, so he, says to, he says to Simba, Mufasa is not dead. No, he lives. Come, I'll show you. 
and takes off. So Simba's like, what? My dad's still, and so he chases this little baboon. He's going over the you know, little kind of branches and up trees and across little brooks and streams and under logs and, and finally comes up, look, there he is, there he is. And, and Simba walks up and he looks and it's a stream. And as he looks into the stream, because remember he went into Akuna Matata land as a little cub, but now his mane has grown. He's matured, and as he looks, for a split second, it looks like Mufasa. And then the water shimmers, and he goes, oh, I thought it was my dad, but it's not. It's just my reflection. It's just my image. Watch this. The clouds begin to swirl, and his heavenly father says to him, Simba, you are my son but you've forgotten who you are. You are my son. Remember, remember who you are. You are my son. As soon as Simba realizes that he was made in the image and the likeness, that he is the son of the Most High, he turns and he goes back to the pride land and he faces Uncle Scar, dethrones and dispossesses Uncle Scar and restores law and order, peace and prosperity back to the pride land. That is why the devil does not want you to discover your identity. He never wants you to find God because the, as you begin to look into God's face, he will begin to awaken you to your identity. Can somebody say amen? All right, that's point one of three, and I've only got a couple of minutes left. Number two, number two, really quickly. Oh, dear Jesus. Number two, God wants to awaken you to your potential. God wants to awaken you to your potential. If you read the Bible, which I encourage, if you read the Bible, which I encourage, Genesis 1, the Bible says, God said, let there be and there was. Let there be and there was. Let there be and there was. God, God called things. He says, you know, uh, call this heaven, call this earth, call it a tree, call it an ox, called it an emu, called it. And the Bible says, whatever it was called, that's what it was. But when it comes to man, God breaks his pattern. Instead of just creating with words, God breaks his pattern and God comes and he puts his hands in the dirt. He puts his hands in the dust and shapes. May I just say this, that you need more than just words. You need even more than just the Word of God. Let me just explain that. I meet a lot of Christians who are word-heavy and connection-light. They're weird people. Don't be weird. Get connected. You need other people around you. God used His hands. God... God named it a tree, it can never be anything else. God named it a bird, it can never be anything else. God named it a fish, it can never be anything else. God called it, that's what it was. God called it, that's what it was. God called it, that's what it was. But when it came to man, God formed man with his hands and then, <sighs> because every other being that God created is limited by the word spoken over it. The word over it says, you're a tree, you will only always and ever be a tree. You're a bird, you will only always and ever be a bird. You're a fish, you will only always. But when it comes to man, 
God did not put a ceiling over you. That's why man today did not feel bound to the earth, but we can fly. Leanne, I, and Stacy got on a plane and we flew across the sky like birds from San Diego to Noosa. Men can go out and we can go and begin to explore the deep recesses of the ocean. We can put scuba tanks on our back. We can go up into outer space and we can, because you were created by a limitless God. And God wants you to understand as you come into the house of God, his breath coming onto the inside of you will awaken your potential that there's no ceiling. There's no low ceiling or roof over you so that you can begin to dream. Do you know we have... uh, iPhones today because somebody dared begin to think and dream. God gave you an imagination. The devil wants to hijack your imagination and turn dreams into nightmares, but you were created by God with an imagination to dream of things not yet created, things not yet possible. And when you walk into this house, when you walk into C3 house, you will find that there is a spirit. You'll find that there is a breath of God that wants to blow into your lungs and begin to awaken you to a brand new potential. You may have had words spoken over you by others. You're no good. You're never going to You're never going to be anything. You're nothing like your brother. You may have had words spoken over you. Those words were designed by the devil to put a ceiling, to put a limit over you. But I've got good news. The Word of God trumps every other word. And you, when you walk into this house, it'll break those words and it'll lift the ceiling and you begin to dream again. You begin to dream again. One of the greatest things in this life is to allow the Spirit of God to come upon you. The Bible says in Joel 2.28, In the last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. What is prophesying? Prophesying is, is taking words like arrows and shooting them into a day not yet. You meant to shoot them into a... One day we're going to have a house. One day I'm going to be married. One day we're going to start a family. One day I'm going to own my own business. One day I'm going to be the boss. One day I'm not going to be in this debt anymore. One, you're meant to shoot words into the future. That's what the Spirit of God does. But it doesn't finish there. In the last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters prophesy. Young men will begin to see visions. Old men will begin to dream dreams. I'm seeing a lot more dreams lately. So what does that say about my age? Shoot. But anyway... Visions and dreams is the language of the Holy Spirit. Visions and dreams is in the realm of the imagination. Your imagination is like a circle that intersects with the circle of heaven. God transports things from heaven into the earth through the imagination of men. And when you walk into this house, there's a spirit. It's the breath of God that'll cause your, it'll awaken your potential. You begin to dare to dream. You begin to dare to reach. So you pull down things that do not yet exist. You'll step into a dimension you've never been in before. You'll start taking risks because if you can't see it here, you'll never see it here. My iPhone exists in my hand because it first exists in Steve Jobs' mind. A plane exists that we can get on because Orville and Wilbur Wright first saw flying in the sky. The rocket before it landed on the moon was conceived in the mind. Everything that exists first began in the invisible realm. Everything in life moves from the invisible to the visible. Everything moves from seed to harvest is how God does things. And when you walk into a house like this, there is a breath that wants to come upon you to awaken you to a brand new reality. The last one, number three. Oh, I'm out of time. Let me just give you this one and I'll come back and preach it another time. God wants to awaken your identity. God wants to awaken your potential. But the third one 
is God wants to awaken your authority. Your authority. You need to understand that there are, there's a, a philosophy out there that you are just meant to let life happen to you. That, you know, you know ooh, touch wood, hope. Hope that life goes good. You know, good luck. We're a little rabbit's foot for good luck. Listen, if the little rabbit's foot didn't help the rabbit, it's not going to help you. It's a little three-legged rabbit going, what did they take my foot? Yeah, anyway, and so you, you don't need to just hope, you know, touch wood, that things don't. God actually gives you authority. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Bring it under. Exercise dominion. The Bible says, as many as received Christ, to them he gave the authority. To them he gave the power to be the sons and daughters of God. Jesus says, behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, if Pastor Christian gives the keys to Noah, you know what that tells Noah? He can be driving the car. If you give the keys to somebody, you're giving them permission. You're giving them that. Jesus says, behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom. I just, I just think that, you know, God's not fair. No, no, he gave you the keys. Yeah, but, you know, like, why do, he, how come he's blessing Christian? He's not blessing, he's blessing Justin. Why doesn't he? No, he gave you the keys. Are you doing anything with him? No, I've just got them sitting on the bench. Well, don't let them sit. Unlock things. How do I do that? With your mouth. With your mouth. The difference between man and the animal kingdom, I can't outrun a lion or a cheetah. I'm not stronger than a bear or an ox or a bull elephant or a rhino. And yet, and yet, man rules over the animal kingdom. We rule over the animal kingdom. Why is that? Because God made you and I in his image and in his likeness. The Bible reveals God as a speaking God. You have the power to speak. When God's word is in your mouth, you have authority and you have power. This was modeled by Jesus. Jesus was in a wilderness, and Satan comes three times to try and take Jesus down. And three times Jesus just turns to him and says, Hey, devil, it is written. Hey, devil, it is written. Hey, devil, it is written. To defeat the devil, all Jesus had to do was get God's word, put it in his mouth, and when God's word is in your mouth, when God's word is in your mouth, you are at your penultimate. See, what most people do is they don't realize that you are always prophesying. If out of your mouth comes, man, you know, never going to beat this sickness. Oh, you know, have you seen the price of homes in Noosa? It's really hard to get. I don't think we're going to ever get a home. We, don't, we can't afford. We can't. Get. It is as you say. It will be as you say. The Bible says, by your words, you'll be justified. And by your word, it, it is as you say. You've got to make a decision. When we came to San Diego, people tried to, you know, pipe off. They tried to tell us, oh, San Diego is a preacher's graveyard. It's so expensive. There's no zoning for buildings. You'll never own a building. That's what people try to say. So I just decided I'm not going to echo the choir. Why become just like the city that we're called to change? If I become like the city, I lose my influence and authority over it. I didn't come to give them. I didn't come to be a parrot of what they already had. I came to bring a heavenly reality into their earthly experience. And so I began to say, San Diego, city for Christ. Every week, people are going to be getting saved. We're not going to have one building. We're going to have multiple buildings. God's hand is on this place. We're going to have favor with the city. We're going to have favor with the community. And it is, as you say.
It is, as you say. Watch this. It says in the Psalms, it says that his angels are set to obey his word. God makes his angels to obey his word. I'll give you the scripture if you want to look it up. It's Psalm 103 verse 20. It says, bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding or obeying the voice of his word. Now watch this. When you speak the word of God out, the angels, all they discern is that's the word of God that's been released. God has created the angels with great strength, but their job is to obey the word. They don't know that it came from you. In fact, God created you to be able to take his word. He's your father. You're, the, you're his son, daughter. You're meant to have his, and as you speak the word out, angels immediately follow that word to obey and establish that word. That's why the devil will make sure that there's no word taught in the schools. There's no word taught in our universities. No word taught in our colleges. That, you know, let's get rid of the word. Let's shut down the churches or let's have the churches playing stupid games on a Sunday instead of putting the word. When you have the word of God in your mouth, you exercise authority. God comes to a 13-year-old kid called Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I already knew you and I formed you. And Jeremiah says, man, I can't be a prophet. I'm just a kid I'm just a teenager and the Bible says the Lord reached out his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth and he says see this day I put my word in your mouth and I have set you over nation set you over when the word of God is in your mouth it sets you over whatever circumstance you just get the word put the word in your mouth because there is nothing that can defeat that Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away but my word endureth forever when Jesus was on a boat he said peace be still and immediately the wind and the waves because the word created the universe Universe. The word holds the universe. That's why it's a universe. It was one word. It was one speaker. It was one author. God spoke verse. God created this called a universe because God spoke. And the universe still responds to the word of God. The, the question is, is the word in your mouth? In this house, we're going to put the word in your mouth. You're going to begin to speak and prophesy. And things that have been immovable are going to begin to shift in your life. Things that have been barren are going to begin to produce fruit. Things that you thought were impossible are going to begin to break through. And you're going to find yourself entering into a brand new dimension. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Well, that's all the time I've got. Let me just pray. Would you close your eyes with me and bow your head? I'm going to pray for two groups of people. The second group I'm going to pray for in just a moment is if you need a breakthrough, if you're like, man, I needed to hear that word this morning, whether it was the identity thing, whether it was the potential thing, or whether it was the authority thing, or it might have been two, might have been all three. Usually I find when I'm preaching, all three relate to me. I need all three of them. I want to pray for you. But before that, if you're here today and you've never surrendered to God, I want you to know that God so loved you that what was keeping us from his family was our sin. And rather than God allow that to continue, 2,000 years ago, God left heaven and he clothed himself in human flesh, fulfilled all the requirements of his law, lived a perfect life, and then allowed himself to be crucified on a cross, having done nothing wrong. Pontius Pilate examines says, this guy's done nothing wrong. Herod examines him, this guy's done nothing wrong. Caiaphas, the high priest, this guy's done nothing wrong. Three times he was examined, three times the testimony was, he's done nothing wrong, he's done nothing wrong, he's done nothing wrong. And yet there he was, hanging on the cross. Why? Because on the cross, the Bible says, Jesus was making an exchange. He was taking his perfection 
and giving it to you. And he was taking your sin and my sin upon himself. When Adam sinned, God's judgment came towards Adam. But God created a thing called time. Time was able to delay the judgment until Jesus, the Bible calls him the second Adam. And if you can think of a heat-seeking missile being the judgment of God on sin bringing death, it was sent towards Adam. But because God created time, he was able to in time slip into the world clothed in human flesh as what the Bible calls the second Adam. And on the cross, Jesus didn't just take our sin. The Bible says that Jesus became sin on the cross. So that the the judgment of God that should have come to me for my sin was now rerouted like a heat-seeking missile. And it came and it was fully absorbed by the one on the cross, Jesus Christ. Jesus was judged for your sin and my sin so that you and I could have not just forgiveness, but have peace, be clean, have everlasting life, have every curse broken, and have the blessing of God flowing into your life. That is what Jesus did on the cross, and it was all your heavenly Father's desire. On the cross, Jesus was literally saying, I'd rather die this excruciating death than live for all eternity without you and my family. That's why he went to the cross. And if you've never surrendered or if you've never joined the family of God, if you've never, you may think, well, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough. Well, hey, that's join the family. None of us are good enough. That's why Jesus had to die. And it's as simple as just receiving him. The Bible says to those who received him, he gave them the authority, the power to be sons and daughters of God. If you've never received him, friend, do that today. Maybe you once did, but you walked away, turned away, you're away. Friend, come back today. Or maybe you're here and just far from God. The most beautiful thing about this church is every week people leave different to the way that they walked in. Today you don't have to leave the same way you came in. If you walked in far from God, you can leave today real close knowing that God is for you. It's happened to me 34 years ago on a beach. Jesus came into my life. When I opened my eyes, everything in the, everything in the room was still the same, but something was different on the inside. The only way I can describe it was like a wind came into my sails and I felt like I could just kind of relax and there was something catching me, holding me up. God is so good. He is for you, not against you. So if you're one of those three categories, you've never surrendered or you once did and you're away and you need to come back or you're hearing just far from God. Well, every head is bowed, every eye closed with no one looking around. If that's you, would you let me say a prayer for you and All I want you to do is just kind of give me a wave of your hand so I know who I'm praying for. And I'm going to say a prayer for you as I close. If that's you, you've never surrendered or you once did and you're away or you're just far from God, would you quickly raise your hand and say, Jürgen, that's me. Would you pray for me? And I'd love to. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sweetheart. Who else is there? Just give me a wave of your hand. Say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Would you pray for me? Who else is there? I feel like there's just a couple of others. Quickly, would you raise your hand? Say, yeah, that's me. I'm away from God. need to come back to God. Who is that one? I just feel like there's a wrestle going on on the inside. Who is it? Quickly, just say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Who else is there? Who else is there? Don't walk out the same way you walked in. We don't want to get anything. We don't want to take anything from you except that which is harming you. We want to get something great to you. It's called the love of God. It's called the breath of God. Is there just one more? I'd love to pray for you. Amen. 
while our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, can we all say these words out loud? It's just a very simple but very profound prayer. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, everyone in the room, say, Heavenly Father. I want to thank you today that you so love me. You sent Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross to take away my sin. Lord Jesus, thank you. Today, because of you, I am forgiven. I am clean. I am a child of God. Everything is changing in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.